The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Always glad to have you along for the ride. And the same goes for Nathan Miller, our producer. He's at the board. He'll make sure we stay in our lane. Today, a familiar voice joins us, Matt Shea. I like to call him a chronicler of the PNW, and often for our benefit here on American Road Trip Talk. Where are we going today? We are going out on the peninsula of Washington State to Forks, Washington, and then north about 100 miles to Olympic National Park. It is an area that is almost otherworldly. It is mystical. It is mysterious. It is magical. And I am so happy that Matt has been there many times, and he's going to share his insights and his stories with us in this episode. Before we take our break, I just wanted to speak a word of thanks, of gratitude to the good folks at Feedspot.com. Feedspot.com. You might want to check that out. They take independent surveys, including of podcasts. Well, it turns out that for the second consecutive year in this independent survey, American Road Trip Talk came out number one. We are grateful to our listeners, to all the people at AM 1150 here in Seattle, and the podcast one folks who managed to circulate what we have to say, what we have to report all around the world. It's a joy to do this program, and we are so blessed to have so many fine listeners who support us week in and week out. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're going to be taking a trip to Forks, then north to Olympic National Park in just a moment. We'll be back with more of American Road Trip Talk right after this. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and alert drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks, they end up in the hospital. Alert drops will stop it. What is alert drops? Alert drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, co-created with my uncle, Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich Maneuver, who said, Anson, alert drops will save more lives than the maneuver. Whether you are driving, whether you're studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get alert drops. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor approved. Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to alertdrops.com. Very important. Go to alertdrops.com and stay safe. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. And yet another conversation. Of course, we look forward to these every time he joins us in studio. I'm talking about and we'll be talking with Matt Shea. Matt, how are you today, sir? Well, just fantastic. How are you, Gary? I'm doing just great because I know you are here with us with your storied travels and your ability to derive insights and you share them with us so beautifully. So this time around, I thought, hey, Matt, why don't we talk about making a trip to Forks, Washington, and then all the way up to Olympic National Park. So much incredible beauty to be seen in that region. And I understand you made a very recent trip there yourself. Yes. In fact, I was there two days ago, but I've been there 
honestly. I've been there at least 100 times since I've driven the peninsula my entire life. Forks is an amazing town, and it's off of the loop of 101 through the Olympic National Forest. And a little interesting facts about Forks is, for the longest time, they had the bragging rights of being the logging capital of the world. But as the logging industry tapered a bit, authors came into their own. We're talking about Stephanie Myers and her Twilight series. So that certainly put a lot of air under their wings. A little trivia, in 1878 is when it all started. Approximately 50 people were attempting to settle in Forks. But on August 7th, 1945, it became incorporated. It is a total of 4.12 square miles. You could just about throw a rock from one end of the town to the other. And when you do, it's likely to land somewhere in the surrounding rainforest. My understanding, Matt, is that the Olympic rainforest, which is an unusual thing in itself, a temperate rainforest, with all that biodiversity, surrounds the town of Forks. Is that correct? Oh, yes, it is. It's the entire 101 loop. And Forks, based on who you're talking to, could be a highlight. But we have towns on either side of it that, hey, wait a minute, we're on the map too. They're all together. They all have their independence, but they all have much in common, sharing nature out there, the culture as a whole. Forks, of course, had been put on the map much earlier, but Stephanie Myers and her Twilight series and the films deriving from her novels really gave Forks a cachet to such an extent, from what I understand, Matt, that the visitors logging in at the visitor center exponentiated to over 10,000 when it used to just be a few hundred if you went through the books to see who showed up in town for a time there during uh, the early days of, uh, let's say, roughly 2010 to 2015 thereabouts. It became, in addition to being an extremely rainy place, in terms of pop culture, it was one of the hottest destinations going. Well, she did sell over 150 million books. And yes, it is. At occasion, you'll see a license plate that'll have the name Bella on it, which is from the book, and it's humorous once you know the story. And so, yes, it's alive and well, but we still have our timber. We still have our forests. We have our rivers there. In fact, the reason why it is named Forks is that there are four different rivers that sort of connect there, the forks of those rivers. So the town was named in that honor. Forks, Washington. And with that, you speak of logging. How is that tradition celebrated? And is logging, does it still go on to any extent in and around Forks? Yes, it does. It's not the magnitude it was when America was being built, but it still pulsates. It will always be there. But it's like our still mills. We still have them, but they're not what they once were, but we will always be known for them. They have lots of shrines, memorabilia of the logging eras. And case in point, when I went to the logging museum, it was incredible. It was right next to the Chamber of Commerce, and they had a memorial for the many who had fallen, the tragedies we had in this dangerous business for lumberjacks, logging. They had over 100 names going back approximately 100 years, and they even have a rose garden there. They even have a trail, a memorial trail, to walk around and take in the beauty of nature. It's well done. When you go to 
the museum, I'm going to use the word cute. They have a scavenger hunt for kids. If you could find a few select items, you get a goodie bag. And I won't reveal everything, but among other things, yes, there's some candy in it. But you got to find the stuff on the scavenger hunt first. Well, it just sounds like a lot of fun. I would presume with that kind of memorial, Matt, that there would be some kind of logging museum where you could see the, the inner workings, how that industry became what it was. Yes, it's right next door to it. We have the Chamber of Commerce, where on one side we have the memorial, and the other we have the Timber Museum. And it is fascinating. It is taking you back to the 1800s. And again, you could go behind it and walk the beautiful trail that just honors the picture as a whole, the fallen. I've, I've come this far with you to this point in the conversation, Matt. I know you, you know me, we both kind of get off on this. Is there any haunted history in Forks, Washington? Here we go. All these little towns have their own American graffiti, Happy Days, Arnold's, Hamburger Stand. In Forks, when you arrive in town, 101 becomes Forks Avenue. You will see Soli's on the right-hand side. I walked in there, I asked a few questions, and I had an awful lot of information volunteered. They claim that that museum, some claim that there is stuff going on, and that very trail that I walked that's behind the memorial, there's a lot of talk that there's some type of spirit that accompanies you. Uh, It was beautiful, it was tranquil. It's a type of trail that's narrow enough where you have to walk single file, and you are surrounded by tall trees and so forth. So maybe I did not feel alone, even though I took the trip alone. And down the street, which is a fantastic Hispanic restaurant, it used to be known as the Vagabond. More than two people, including a present worker there, told me that they hear things and they've seen the orbs. A lot of stories about those two places, and I believe there are a few other t- trails in the area that have had write-ups. When I've been in that town the last five or six times, people would just freely volunteer such information. And guys like you and me, Gary, we just can't hear enough of it. It's true. It's true. In fact, I will take one more step, a big step. Is it true, Matt, that they are about to celebrate their first Sasquatch Bigfoot Festival? Gary, I have just made a new friend by the name of Tom Seawood. And Tom Seawood is helping run this show. And I have two other names right here. It's just incredible what they have going on. They have Ken Hamilton, who is basically the CEO. We have Tom Seawood, a guest speaker, and Craig Yanni, who is master of ceremonies. They are here to join forces basically with the Canadian Indian and the North American Indian to draw attention to what they refer to as the other tribe. They are saying that we have a population, roughly about 30,000 of what's known to be Sasquatch, and that they say that these are basically considered feral human being type, and we are the ones with less hair They are the ones with hair. But throughout 
uh, Indian heritage, they speak of such cultures, they're drawing highlight to it. They recognize it. They want people to know. So this is the first annual Sasquatch Days, and it starts tomorrow, May 28th to 29th, and it is directly across the street from the Legend.com store, which is just amazing. It's kind of a museum, but also a shop where you could buy memorabilia and then some. And this is off of Division Street, right next to their arts building. You can't miss it. It's a half block long, and the information we're going to be getting. And we have Tom's site here. Hold on one minute. Tom is going to let us call him at area code 206-604-3303. And he also has an address, tom.cwid, and that's S-E-W-I-D, tom.cwid at gmail.com. And if we look up SasquashIsland.com or Sasquatch Island on Facebook, there'll be a lot more there. And that includes on YouTube as well. Give Tom contact. He's greatly informative. He's a gifted speaker. I've never heard such fascinating information in all my life. I'm going to probe this. I'm going to return and learn more about this. And we would love to hear about it. Forks, Washington, which, by the way, is a trending town on Airbnb. People who are getting out there again want to see this magical mystery tour of a town, is what I would call it, Forks, Washington, there on the peninsula of Washington State. Now, while we have time, Matt, please tell us what it is, and I'm embarrassed to say that though I lived there 21 years, I never made it to Olympic National Park. I must make amends. I plan to be there when my wife and I make that trip up there. What are we likely to see when we go through the gates? A lot of trees, I'll bet. We're going to see that, but you're going to see more of your share of campgrounds and fishing. We have the whole rainforest. We have Hurricane Ridge, which is two miles elevation just outside of Port Angeles. We have the Claylock Lodge from the 1920s. I've camped there many times. Soul Duck Hot Springs from the 1920s. We have Crescent Lake Lodge from 1915. I've camped there a few times. Lake Quinault, I've stayed there before from 1926. We have a National Parks hotline. It's 855-584-5293. And from that point forward, you do the dial tone and you pinpoint the town, what section of 101. They'll give you all the information and you could make your reservations, whether it's a cabin. They have cabins out there. They've got campgrounds with nice showers. I have hiked in a few miles to find unbelievable campgrounds that had wild turkeys, deer, everything. We were accepted into the community. Even by the wild turkeys? Well, I think I might have been one of them. (laughs) What an experience that would be. And as far as the natural grandeur of the place, you know, I've been to not quite my share of national parks. I've been to numerous parks, but I always want to get to all of them if I can, or most of them at least. There are improvements that, if not urbanizing a park, certainly making them more commodious, more accommodating to people with various needs. What about Olympic National Park? Does it retain 
that rustic charm, that grandeur? And are there places where you can go that just make you feel safer being there, making use of those accommodations? Absolutely. Every step of the way. But it is yesterday. It's not primitive. It's up to code. You could take an RV there. You could camp there. They have very nice resorts there. Soul Duck Hot Springs is a world-renowned resort, just as Claylock is, just as Crescent is, just like Lake Quinault. But you could camp there. You could hike in, or you could be closer to the road and be well taken care of as well. They have something for everybody, but they never got out of line. You're not going to see a lot of neon signs around there. You're not going to see chains of the corporations and the burger places. You're going to be out in the Olympic Peninsula. You're still going back to the late 1800s and 1920s overall. And each small town, they're wonderful. There's kind of an echo to it because there's a grace of quiet to all of them. You do not see litter. People are very polite, very. And they've maintained their identity all these years. And I take it that here, if anywhere, you are going to have a sensitivity to the environment by the locals. Most certainly, because as I walked into their museum, as I've walked into Sully's and one of their restaurants, people are very open. They can spot someone from out of town. They will let you know where the park is. They'll let you know where the good campgrounds are. They'll suggest some of the fun restaurants, and they'll ask you about yourself. And so you get this step-for-step every way throughout Highway 101. But you could take these roads to lakes. You could go to Nia Bay and see a wonderful fishing village there, Native American. They've maintained the culture that's been there for over 100 years. Very little change to that, and that is a compliment. I would think also that in a way, when you look at the topography of Olympic National Park, it opens itself to the world via the Pacific. There must be places there where the panoramic view is absolutely stunning. It is, and we are talking about one million acres. And case in point, Hurricane Ridge, just outside of Port Angeles, it's 13 miles in, and you gradually have an over two-mile elevation I've camped there a few times. We would have the deer walking around our campsite or we could practically touch them. Just loved it and the panorama view of the Olympics. You just see forever. It sounds like something John Denver would write about. Mm. Let's turn to Saul Duck Hot Springs. Me, I can take them or leave them. That's just my preference. Sometimes hot is too hot for me. And that goes for jacuzzis as well. But in terms of Saul Duck Hot Springs, it is a heritage place within the park itself. That's what I understand. And I also understand that you've spent some time dunked in one of those yourself. It is unbelievable because the state of Washington, we do have our share of hot springs, usually up in the mountains. Saul Duck initially was built in the early 1920s. And then in 1966, the state took over there. But they also have cabins there. They have a nice restaurant. And of course, you could camp there and you can get yourself on a trail. And eventually, it is not uncommon to come across a little hot springs where that's kind of for you and your party for the day. That's your picnic table, so to say, just to relax in that mineral water. 
they keep emphasizing how therapeutic the hot minerals are when you lay down and rest with your friends in those hot pools. And that limbers you up to get out on those magnificent trails. Yes, it's just a good pit stop. And it's going (laughs) to be there when you return. (laughs) And may need it. That's right, for therapeutic purposes. In terms of the trails themselves, would they be considered modernized or improved? And particularly, Matt, I'm interested to know whether this is one of those single file type of trails, uh, the kind of which you mentioned with regard to forks, or is this something that's more expansive? It seems to me that, that national parks are wanting to have proportion and symmetry to these trails anymore. It seems to be a goal of the National Park Service. I'm going to say we have both because they have maintained tradition And many trails I was on were very clean. They're not obstructive, but it was single file because that's the way it was over 100 years ago since the beginning of the time. But they do have where they wide out and the family could walk abreast and we're all like going to a park. You get that openness. A little bit of trivia, there are people who get paid to take those trails and put trout and so forth in the ponds way out there. And this is for those that spend months at a time on those trails and they will eat fish. They'll eat off the land. They'll bring their provisions with them. And when you are finished traversing Olympic National Park, and I defy anyone to take it in with 100% appreciation during one vacation visit, if you wanted to spend a year around there, maybe you'd have a shot at it. But otherwise, you just get more and more reasons to return. How about, while we have a couple of minutes here, Matt, tell us a bit about Port Angeles. One of the things that I find very uh, attractive about it, and again, when I make that trek up there, that Northwest trek there, I hope to get to Port Angeles in and of itself. I'm sure it's attractive, but it's also a great way to get on a ferry and make your way to Victoria, British Columbia. That is true. You could take the ferry from there and find yourself in Canada, You could camp in the very northern part of the peninsula and see Canada looking back at you from the waterway. Mm. I love Port Angeles as I do Port Townsend because you have all these buildings from the mid-1800s when the city was starting to grow. They have their trails. They have their lakes. They have Hurricane Ridge. They're all a part of Highway 101. And so it is very rustic. They maintain the theme, the who that they are, And they never got rid of the old and brought in the new. They kept refurbishing the identity of who they are. You're seeing Port Townsend and it's, excuse me, Port Angeles, both for that matter. And it's essentially the same community you had 100 years ago. I have been to Port Townsend and I know what you were talking about. It's so striking because you're just, like with Port Gamble, you go there, you're wondering if you have stepped into a novel. Am I in this story? And of course, the answer is yes, you are with your perception and what you take back home with you. And it sounds like Port Angeles has that to offer as well. And probably some pretty low speed limits. They don't want these out-of-towners racing through their community, and I don't blame them. Now, that's very funny when you mention that. Uh, Getting back to Forks, they have summertime drag racing at the local airstrip, the municipal airport, which is right across the street from the Commerce Center and the 
the Timber Museum. And so throughout the summer, the locals can drag race there for free, the show and shine. It is $10 from 13 and above, 12 and under, you're in for free. And by the way, they certainly have bragging rights on how they do their 4th of July. They have a spectacular All-America July 4th in Forks, Washington. To wrap up, Matt Shea, why don't we indicate how folks can get there from metropolitan Seattle, or maybe you're coming up from the south, from Olympia, for example, or even from Portland. What is the most expeditious way to get to these destinations? I have four ways, and we will start going south by Portland, and that would be the um, exit 104 by Olympia, and you simply take that exit 104, and that will lead you to US 101. The second one is by the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. That is exit 132B, and that takes you to Washington State Route 16 going west. Again, follow the signs. And then when you're in the vicinity of Seattle, we have the Bainbridge Island Ferry, which will take you there. And slightly north, we have the Edmonds-Kingston Ferry. And so those are the four routes I know of, and uh, they all get you there, and half the fun is getting there. Couldn't agree more. I do look forward to it very much, Matt Shea. Thank you, sir, once again. You have graced our studio. I will always have things for you to research. You do a great job whenever you are our official correspondent of the PNW. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Gary. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk. Along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine, we remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure.